Hello and welcome to Shachle. I'm Fiona McArdle. She Fiona McArdle mish as bavariam golta kashu gus Shachle. So and here show. In Shachle this time, ne manani har muir. The Manxies abroad. This is a time of year when delegates from the island take part in large gatherings overseas. As jichen and jichen nyochajen. A look at some unusual parts of the island's story, we hear from Neil Hansen and Matthew Richardson about how that's come about. But first, let's have a look at some musical events to enjoy. This evening, Thursday the 10th of August at 7.45, John and Karen Elliott and friends will be entertaining in St Catherine's Church in Port Erin. Admission is free and there will be a retiring collection for the church and refreshments will be available in the hall afterwards. If you're in Douglas this evening, Thursday the 10th, you can go along to the Villa Marina Arcade for a free concert at 8 o'clock with the Isle of Man Swing Band. This is part of the Isle of Man Arts Council's summer season. Next Wednesday the 16th of August, the Villa Marina Arcade will resound to the mighty Wurlitzer in a lunchtime concert at 1 o'clock when David Redfern will be at the console, and again it's part of the Isle of Man Arts Council's summer season. This will be an opportunity to see and hear the Wurlitzer really being put through its paces. David Redfern first played a theatre organ at 13 years of age, and he's a leading member of the Cinema Organ Society. He regularly plays concerts on the Wurlitzer and Blackpool Tower Ballroom, amongst other instruments, and has played for radio and television and a range of recordings. So that's next Wednesday, the 16th of August at 1 o'clock in the Villa Marina Arcade with David Redfern. And next Wednesday evening, the 16th of August, the summer concert at 7.45 in St Thomas's Church in Douglas presents fun folk music with the Shenanigans Band. Admission is free with a retiring collection and refreshments will be available. On Sklai Shakespeare and Doran, The Tempest, tan beda te gimurka alonso, re Naples, mur churit, as tadsen ter vord, chitter atalu, er ellen tanish an reim allisach prospero. Tanishaveshi alonso, trinculo a stefano, chit de vase skurit, as tad chit quailrish an erd vaisht caliban. Ta trinculo a stefano, fudachelia. Liorish and the tad clashed in Munangiat, och ta Caliban ker kriach doru. Nergauji al, tan ellen lendachinen, sheenen as faunen millish, ta ker Jonas, ganadi. Tashendach reons pearl, be not afeard, the isle is full of noises, sounds and sweet airs that give delight and hurt not. Taskilen regethen sa tradition maninach, Macown Karen a Sarenen, Hayaklashen, on Sheen Awana, Vosh Arenish Yinli, Navosh Arenas, Lyosen, Nyo Hukasach, Taskilen on, Macown Slyta Fagen, Geisjach, Nerfuddy, Tajas Olach, er Chonolin de Vunjavega, Tajinu Sire, Shar Bear Fadenach, Redden, Tatachet, Nach Nodad Sajaka. Kirtan Eller, Smoony Slide, another had Sajaka Machna Rhythm Vagolair, as she oba a vunja vegave. Och, va fis och er achtener ye, de hachna asi. 
as nisch ta fessein oru marschan kleachtachen ta jichen huech dan hudsmude lei nisch the folklore of the Isle of Man has brought us many unusual stories and explanations for what we see in some parts of the landscape. But even in more conventional history, some things have happened, which developed in surprising ways, things which provide an intriguing narrative and an unexpected outcome. Locht and Books have published a collection of these with the title Manx Myths, Mysteries and Miscellanies, and these are pieces from the work of Robert Kelly, However, Robert Kelly himself died five years ago. We hear from Robert Kelly's friend and executor, Neil Hansen, and from Matthew Richardson of Manx National Heritage about Robert Kelly himself and how the book came about. He left school quite young as soon as he'd done his his O-levels and went straight into journalism as a junior reporter on the Isle of Man Times. And he worked in journalism throughout his life. And at one time he was the editor of the Isle of Man Times, the Isle of Man Examiner and the Manx Star all at once. (laughs) The Times publications... Robert produced a little series which were called Times Monographs and they didn't really ever get off the ground. He only actually published three. Uh, One was how the TT started, one was the Vikings in Tinwood and one was the Summerland story which was a history of how Summerland came to be built Mm. and was later expanded into a substantially larger book which was on sale at Summerland. Of course, that's very poignant this year. Well, yes, it is, and um, who could have anticipated what was going to happen at the time that the book was written? Mm. In addition to this, he found time to write quite a number of books on Manx subjects. A couple of examples are For Those in Peril, which was the history of um, Sir William Hillary and the foundation of the RNLI, Tales of the Tailless, which was a book all about Manx cats, um, with a song in their hearts, which was the history of the Douglas Coral Union, and TT Pioneers, which was a history of early car racing on the island. And as well as editing the papers, he was contributing to them as well. Oh, yes, indeed. Yes, he wrote various articles on various um, subjects. So, yes, a prolific author, <laughs> as well as a busy journalist. Mm. He and his late wife, Linda, were very interested in almost anything Manx, and they had a huge collection of postcards and um, a huge collection of um, Manx items, Manx memorabilia, um, three-legged teapots, <laughs> all kinds of Manx things. Unfortunately, he passed away at quite a young age, um, or a young age nowadays, anyway, at the end of um, 2018. Mm. And um, he, at the time of his death, of course, he was very much involved in writing a book or a series of books which had been on the go for a very long time. And that brings us on to um, the book which has just been published. Mm. What was the genesis then of the book? You say that Robert left papers behind, but obviously there's a lot of work in editing and bringing them together. Well, yes, he'd started on um, what was going to be a history of the media on the island. And as that developed, it expanded hugely and changed into a totally different form. And um, Robert's provisional title for it was The Making of Manxness. And he saw it as being a history of Manxness and how it had developed over the years and what was Manx 
what was Manxness. And he went on and on researching and on and on writing. But um, he never drew a line under it and got round to um, preparing it for publication. So when he died, there was just a series of articles which weren't at that time in a publishable form. So what has been involved then in getting them ready for publication now? Well, I was very keen to see at least some of Robert's unpublished work actually being published. Um, I don't have the ability to do that myself, but Matthew Richardson, who of course is a very well-known, respected and prolific author, um, undertook the job of going through um, the articles that Robert had left, um, selecting what he thought was the best of them or the most suitable for publication and putting them in a form which would be suitable for publication. Mm. And it's called Manx Myths, Mysteries and Miscellanies and it is very much a miscellany. It's one of the great joys of it that you never know what's coming next. Yes, it's perhaps a rather unusual title but um, as they say, I think the book do does what it says on the tin. <laughs> and... Um, there was some discussion about a likely title with Matthew Richardson and with Sarah Goodwins of Lockton Books who have published the book and um, I suggested that it was a miscellany and perhaps reflected the um, Manx miscellanies which were published in the Manx Society series of volumes mm. in the 1860s. So after a bit more dis discussion Sarah came up with the title of Myths Mysteries and Miscellanies, which is pretty well what you find in the book. Mm. Are there any particular favourites that you have amongst the pieces there? Well, there are so many that it's difficult to mm. pick out a, fa uh, a favourite. Mm. Uh, they cover such a vast variety um, of subjects. Mm. Um, there, there are some very interesting um, Manx subjects covered. I mean, things like the concrete ship, Mm. or the Vetoscope clock, <laughs> um, and other more more well-known things like Manx Thalton's. Mm. And, it, well, it's quite a miscellany. Mm. I'd simply um, like to say how grateful I am to Matthew Richardson and Sarah Goodwins for making the publication of the book possible. Mm. And George Hobbs has added copious illustrations to it as well. Oh, yes, indeed. He's produced some very appropriate photographs to go with some of the articles. It's a book that Robert would have been very happy with, very proud of. When Neil first approached me about this, he, he told me that uh, Robert had been writing a book that he hadn't finished when he died. Uh, and he said to me, would I be able to finish the book and tidy it up and get it into a publishable state? So I said, yeah, certainly, I'll be more than willing to have a look at it. Um, so uh, Neil handed over to me a drive where everything had been copied from Robert's computer. So I spent a weekend going through this, looking through all the writings, and I, I went back to Neil and I said, uh, well, it's, it's not just a case that there being a book there, there's at least two books that have been started to a certain extent, um, possibly even a third, but I don't think any of them are in a position for me to finish them. They were, you know, they were, they were so far off um, a published state that I'd have, to, I'd have to generate a lot more new material mm. which um, which would, would have been difficult for me because these were clearly Robert's books written in his own style so I suggested a different approach which was to bring together the best bits 
of what was there from these three books, plus there were other finished articles that maybe had been intended for use in magazines and things like that. Um, so I said, well, let's try and bring together the best bits um, and put them together in a, in a single volume. One of the books that uh, Neil mentioned uh, Robert had been writing was about the press, and yet, the, uh, as Neil said, there doesn't seem to be very much in here that reflects that in a way. So uh, what other stuff was there in there? Then? There was a huge, a huge variety of material. Um, so a lot of it was about Manx identity, what Robert, what Robert perceived as being Manx identity and how it had evolved. Um, but what really struck me was the, the breadth of this material. You know, it's, it's things from um, automotive history, uh, there's a lot of Manx folk culture in there. Um, Robert was obviously very interested in Manx language because he frequently makes reference to if there's a Manx term for a particular type of person or a particular theme, he, he, he brings the Manx into it at every opportunity. So that was obviously an interest of his as well. Place name history. Um, there, there, were, there was just so much and I felt it was so varied. And, uh, and me, I mean, I've, I've worked with Manx history for over 20 years and when I started looking through it I thought gosh there's things I didn't know um, you know things like the concrete ship up in, up in the north of the island I'd never heard of that so I thought well if I haven't heard of these things there's quite a good chance that a lot of other people haven't as well um, and I thought that it was an interesting project and a very worthwhile project to try to bring together this research that, that clearly Robert had spent a lot of time on and to bring it to a wider audience. Mm. And having gone through all the material, then, are there any particular areas, as you say, it's, it's, it is very miscellaneous and draws on all sorts of areas. Are there any particular areas that you found most interesting, particularly fascinating? The, the chapter that interests me most is about the Times Ghost, um, because that's the one chapter in it that Robert is writing from personal experience, mm. when, as a young journalist at the Isle of Man Times, there were all these strange happenings in the 1960s, which were put down to one of the former owners, one of the Brown family, um, being disgruntled at the change in ownership of the, of the Times, which occurred in the 1960s when the business was purchased. And Robert, being a young journalist, was required to work late in the editing room, you know, late at night when all these strange things happened. So he writes from personal experience. And again, this was new to me. I hadn't heard this story. Um, and I thought that to have this uh, first-hand account of this incident was very interesting. That was another of his interests, by the way. Um, he was interested in the paranormal. So there were um, odd, odd things as well that didn't make it into the finished book about uh, he saw a UFO at one time and that that um, in, uh, increased his interest in the paranormal and he had uh, been a contributor to a paranormal magazine in the UK. Mm. So there was just, just so much breadth to it all really. Mm. You mentioned there were possibly three books in there and uh, Neil mentioned about a history of the Manx press. What what do you see as the other two major there was, strands? There was there was quite a lot of car history in there. Um, there was um, a semi-finished history of Manx motor car racing um, on the island, um, and there was quite a lot about various aspects of, of the tourist industry. Though they were more um, articles rather than the finished book. As I say, it was it was a, a, a miscellany is a good way of describing what was on the disc because there were also several versions of the same chapter at different stages of, of completion and sometimes it looked like uh, Robert changed his mind and gone in, off in a slightly different tack maybe he thought of a different uh, uh, outlet for this um, this article so he slightly rewritten it um, in a different way so it was trying to work out which of the um, the different versions of a chapter would be the best to develop and of course when I was working on it I was very conscious that Robert had a particular turn of phrase a particular style of writing and I didn't want um, to eradicate that 
you know, I didn't want to put my stamp on it too much. I wanted to keep his his style of writing. So I, I corrected the English a little bit, um, mainly punctuation, but I didn't want to overwrite his his style. So very, we've tried very much to keep it in his style um, style of writing. I was tasked with bringing the, the work to publication. But Neil, uh, I took on the task of finding a publisher, um, and we, we we wanted a local publisher, obviously, because it's a local local book for the local market. And neither of us had worked with Lockton Books before, uh, but we were very pleased with how um, we had gotten famous. We had a great working relationship with Sarah there. Um, a lot of the illustrations came from the Lockton Books archive. We Robert had quite a number of illustrations, in, in his own archive, but there, there wasn't enough, so we were conscious of the fact we were short of some pictures. So Lockton Books helped us out a lot there by filling in uh, a lot of the illustrations, um, and really did a, f- a first-class job in the presentation of the book, so I can't speak highly enough of them and, and, and their work on it. Neil Hansen and Matthew Richardson telling us about Robert Kelly himself and how some of his work was prepared for publication by Lockton Books as Manx Myths, Mysteries and Miscellanies, available now at £14.95. Hilshin and Kyut's Jerry McKeown and Acht Hank Yerenyi Vanin Kujach, the Khrushchev Derenyach and Haki Jeg Hark Jeg has died. Redvad Kummel Tashpinas and Yari, Ek Tai Nakariandu as Tashpinas the Tui. Dag Saura er maren seregen lazer on tromse. Harona builshen kuida er nisa jas, hoger bun and tashpinas hin, haya kumal erakerich. Bush naki jeg nenas tree feed, henken tashpinas sauri von tromse, deve kumich on stulish, on sundera vlen as on tromse and vlenella. Treva trogel and no trogacherevol on tromse. Daddy and Tashpinus Tui Gus Selby. Trehenken Bow uns Dulish de Vey and Inna da Junach Sporten, Hyen Tashpinus er Kummel uns Selby Rishfeed Blain. Dera Daddy e Gus Nokelo, Red Hede a Kummel and Kjernschachten Show. The Manx Agricultural Society became royal comparatively recently, as it was in 1951 that George VI gave permission for it to become the Royal Manx Agricultural Society. Tomorrow, Friday the 11th and Saturday the 12th of August, will be the two days of the Royal Manx Agricultural Show at Nokelo. The show is a celebration of Manx life and tradition. Whilst it provides two days of entertainment, with a wide selection of food and drink providers and a wide range of craft and trade exhibitors, it's actually the culmination of many months of hard work from show participants preparing their livestock for competitions with the ultimate prize for the best animal in the show. The Royal Manx Agricultural Show will be open on both Friday the 11th and Saturday the 12th of August, from 9.30 in the morning to 5 o'clock. Egan Imbach show, ta de eilia vura goler, ta nein jau na eilia eda chiltiach, ta goelstiach jinti vos na smuda hirken, ta slide a kunta de ve kelchach. Ta shen nieren, nalben, manen, breton, kernow as breton beg. As nis asturias as galithia, hamas kelchielia vos feine krunia. Tan ferella na elia ta jinu erdelia je unchia as echenia. 
Schen Breton as Bretnisch. So nice Stelford as Junach. Na jai tan as Stelford genuer delia nis je eracht Bretnisch ans Patagonia as jene Bretni feine Krunia. Last Thursday a charter flight took off from Ronaldsway, carrying a party of Manx performers to the Festival Interceltique de Lorient. So for ten days there will be Manx music and dance, as well as Manx food and drink, available as part of that huge festival, which attracts hundreds of thousands of people to the city of Lorient in Brittany. The work of arranging the Manx delegation to Lorient is undertaken by Grania Sheard. It's the biggest inter-Celtic festival in the whole world. So you've got delegations from all the Celtic nations and the, and the Celtic diaspora. So Scotland, Wales, Cornwall Island, Galicia, Asturias, Brit- Brittany. We've even got the Scottish diaspora in Australia. We've got um, Acadie in Canada and even, even America. So it's wherever the Celts <laughs> appear across the world. <laughs> The scale of this is is huge. You expect to see around about eight hundred and fifty thousand visitors over the ten days. Um, the first Sunday, there's a grand parade, and at that alone, it's the the figure is roughly eighty thousand, which is the population of the Isle of Man. <laughs> Fundamentally, it's a celebration of Celtic music and dance, but you've also got um, other artistic um, mediums that are going on. Celebrations of painting, photography, theatre, sculpture, traditionally, traditional artisanry, sport and gastronomy as well. So it's a, it's a celebration of Celtic culture, where, however that manifests itself across, across the world. We couldn't do it without the support of, of groups like Culture Van in the Department for Enterprise, the Isle of Man Arts Council, you know, so it, they really do provide invaluable support to this project. Our musicians, dancers and artists just are so incredibly talented that they that the Isle of Man holds equal weight in the in the eyes of the festival we hold equal weight as Scotland and Ireland who have bigger budgets to put behind their delegations and even though we are allocated a smaller delegation we might not have as much of a budget we certainly still pull equal weight to these other nations so um it's it's a great thing to get behind and support with funding and we really appreciate the organizations that that do so Grania Sheard. At the same time, the Eisteddfod Genedd Lytel, the National Eisteddfod of Wales, is taking place in the Llain Peninsula in the northwest of the country. The Eisteddfod invites delegates from Mod Nahalaba, Oriartas Naheran, as Crunyakvanen to attend, as well as representatives of Gorseth Kurnow, as Gorseth Frege, the Gorseth of Cornwall and of Brittany, as well as the Gorseth of Patagonia the area of Argentina colonised by the Welsh from the 1850s. This year in Chrunioch is represented by Echte Ren in Chrunioch, that is, President of Chrunioch, Annie Kizik. There's a ceremony when all the delegates go up to the stage to be welcomed, and one of them gives a short speech on their behalf. This year, that was given by Annie Kizik. Phil
Kizak at Ir Aisteford Genet Lythel last Monday afternoon. A Shenevo Shachle and Hugh Chill. That's it from Shachle this time. Next Thursday, Marilyn Crellin will be here with the last programme in the present series. But now from me, Ach Nishvon Fiona McCardle, send you.